Hi, this is Aaron Douglas. I'm Chief Tyrrell in Battlestar Galactica, and you are listening to Galactica Quorum online. Previously on the Galactica Quorum. The Quorum's trying to pretend like they're just like back in some big monstrous building on a planet running a civilization, and they're not. So stop getting your panties in a wad when there's like a military secret mission that you don't know about. I guess we're going to have to wait to see Lee actually do something uh, worthwhile, worthwhile that, that he can really make a big difference. I can't see Natalie being dead. She at least has to have a death scene where they have some kind of exposition. Didn't they have a thing where like Cottle has to like put her on the table? I'm really fed up with the quorum. I think that's more of an ew, ew. to me. What do you mean, me, president? Moron. Hello, and welcome to the Galactica Quorum. This is episode number 46. I'm Brian, and joining me today... Michelle! We are a podcast about Battlestar Galactica. It's a fracking podcast. That's right, it's a fracking podcast. Thank you, Nikki Klein. That is from our previous episode where we interviewed Nikki, so make sure you listen to that. We'd like to thank her again for talking with us. We have a website called galacticacorum.com. We have an email. That's gquorum at gmail.com. That's spelled G-Q-U-O-R-U-M. And if you want to reach us by voicemail, we have a number that's 206-350-6756. Call in. Tell us your theories. Yep, don't be shy. We have some people who are kind of regular contributors, but don't be shy. We like to hear from everybody. We want to declare that we have not listened to the official Ronald D. Moore podcast, not that there is one. They are... There hasn't been one for two episodes. Yeah, they're a little behind this season. I guess we were spoiled last season when they were putting them out weekly. Or the one that they put out the day before. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. (laughs) That was good. But, uh, so yeah, we have not listened to that. And we will not be doing any spoilers, just speculation. And again, I don't watch the previews, so... I'd like to say that this week I did not watch the preview either, so I have no idea wow. what's going to happen. I know. Aren't you shocked? I'm proud of you, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Some con news. Getting into the con season. Shore Leave is coming up July 11th to 13th in Baltimore, Maryland. That's going to have a pretty good lineup. It's going to have, from the Star side of things, Mark Shepard and Leah Cairns, who's racetrack, and from Stargate Atlantis slash Firefly... It will have Jewel State, and from Star Trek and Heroes, it will have George Takai. Another one to bring up, which really goes without saying that this is a huge one, is Dragon Con. That's August 29th to 31st in Atlanta. Michelle's going. <laughs> Yoo-hoo! I'm excited. I have my ticket, but I don't have a place to stay yet, so... Brian needs a roommate. I need a roommate, or I need a place to stay. So of all our legions of listeners, if you are going and you know of a room or something, please let me know. Send us an email, because I need a place to bunk up. I have a contest to mention for the Two Guys Talking Favorite Indie Moment Contest. They're still running that. Basically, just tell them what your favorite indie moment was from the indie movies. You could win $100 and an Indiana Jones hat. What's your favorite indie moment? Uh, it would have to be from Raiders, which is my favorite of the three by a long margin. Well, I have, I have a couple, but one of them that I really like is the gunfight in the bar in Nepal. I like when he first starts firing his gun because the that scene has no music underneath it. It's just a Colt 45 
firing like a cannon, machine guns, sound effects, bullets ricocheting. I love that scene. Just love it. Ryan passes along some news about casting for the Caprica show. Eric Stoltz will play one of the Cylon creators, Daniel Greystone. The part of Joseph Adama has gone to Asai Morales. I hope I didn't mangle that name. I guess I wonder what stage of production they're in right now. I don't think they're shooting, or maybe they are. I don't know. No, probably not yet. But you know what is shooting right now? What? Transformers 2 started shooting yesterday in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Wow. I'm overly excited. Have not found out what the new Autobots are yet. Never saw the first one. What? Never saw the first one. Oh, my God. I still have your HD DVD. I've never watched it. Brian. Like I said, I just wasn't uh, blown away by the trailer the first time I saw it because I, it's a dumb kind of prejudice to have, but I saw the robots and they didn't look like Transformers to me. They look like these insectoid robotic alien things and they didn't look like the Transformers I remember as a kid. Like when All it right. transforms into a, a thing, it's like there's very little of its vehicleness that you see to it. Like there's that one, uh, what was it, a Citron car commercial? It was on YouTube that everyone shows where the car transforms and it dances and it ice skates. And yeah. I love that one. To me, that's what a Transformer should look like. But well, they do still have parts of their car. I mean, you can see the wheels and the door and the windshield. Minutely. Yeah. yeah, but... I mean, story-wise, I don't know anything about it. It could be great. I just haven't... I love it only because I'm that sort of a geek. <laughs> There's tons of movies I'd love to see and I just haven't. I, I want to see it. I just haven't had time. Okay. Like all these summer movies that are coming out right now... I would like to see some of them, but in fact, let's just talk about some of the movies. There's uh, Iron Man. I've seen that. That is the best one of the year. You have to see that in the theater, flat out. I guess maybe if my wife goes to see Sex in the City, I'll go see Iron Man. <laughs> I'm not seeing that movie. <laughs> see, I'm not surprised. What's another one? There's the Indiana Jones film, which I've heard mixed things about. And it was okay. It was indie. I guess part of the thing with indie movies is, for me, the best one was Raiders. And after that, it kind of dropped off. Yeah, it doesn't compare to that movie at all. Because, to me, Raiders had just that little tiny bit of undercurrent that something was mysterious and dangerous. And the other ones seemed more light, more aloof. Yeah, this one was a little more aloof, too. Yeah, see, I don't like that. I, I like the scene where Indy and the professor, before he goes on his trip, the professor warns him that there's things that they shouldn't mess with and that to me was a small scene but in raiders that is what made that movie to me more serious than the other ones were let's see there is are you interested in the x-files movie not really did you watch x-files when you were i did was i wasn't like a hardcore fan i didn't have to watch it every week but i did see a lot of the episodes and you know they were good i hated the first x-files movie it made no sense to me whatsoever I was confused by a lot of things that happened because maybe I didn't pay that much attention to the episodes. So I'm not totally like, oh, I've got to go see it. I can probably wait on that one. See, I like the X-Files movie, but I'm not as jazzed to see this one because they've already said that it doesn't really deal with some of the main story, the aliens conspiracy theory from before, which is in a way that's good because we've seen that so much. And what more can they do with it other than have an alien invasion and like just go crazy with effects? But <laughs> on the other hand... Isn't that what really a lot of it is about? And if it's not about that, how grand can it be that it justifies being on the big screen? Yeah. If it's like a small time ghost story, it's like that could be on TV as a TV movie. Yeah. Another movie, the Batman movie. How about that? I was looking forward to that long before Heath Ledger passed away, unfortunately, because his character looks awesome in that movie. 
this would have been the role to skyrocket his career. It's a good role to have as your last role, I guess. Yeah. I'm a big Chris Nolan fan, so anything he does, I think, is uh, worth seeing. And I really like the first Batman, the Batman Begins movie. So Mm -hmm. Now, there's a bunch of TV shows, sci-fi-related TV shows that are coming up this fall. I think we'll talk about that one in an upcoming podcast. The big ones being Dollhouse and the new show from J.J. Abrams. Just the preview I've seen of that looks pretty cool. So we'll talk about that at a later time. Well, speaking of new TV shows, there's a post on our message boards from RJM Drum, who originally was asking about a question regarding the prisoners that was on that Razor Bay star, whether the blonde girl was definitively ruled out as being Starbuck. And I think we ruled out that it could be her because of the time involved or whatever. But it did make me think what happened to that crew well, they were on the base star, so they got taken away with the base star, right? Right. And we don't know what happened to them. They found the base star 40 years later, but in the yeah. interim, where they just experimented on or whatever. Now, Star Trek II with Wrath of the Khan all came about because one of the writers had the idea where he said, whatever happened to that one episode where there was this guy Khan, and what, what, what happened to him? And then the germ of an idea became that movie. Which was like probably most people tend to agree the best of the Star Trek movies. So my idea. I don't know. I like the one with the whales. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. So my idea is, this is my pitch for the new Battlestar show, is what happened to the crew of the Dadiana? I agree. So if this was in Hollywood and I was had to give them like a hook, I'd say it's going to be part Battlestar, obviously, because it's got the... It's their universe, and it's got elements and science and technology from that universe. So it's part Battlestar, but it's also kind of part Lost, because it's going to be people who are either trying to escape, or there's a very select group of survivors. So it would have a survival aspect to it, but less politics, like we see in the current show, and probably will be in abundance in Caprica show. Law. So it would, yeah. So it, <laughs> it would occur in the same general era but far from the events and the characters of Battlestar Galactica. So they probably would never cross over, so you wouldn't have to worry about any timelines or any conflicts. Yeah, but don't you think it would most likely end up being a pretty gruesome show if all they're doing is experimenting on them? Well, no, that, that's the thing. They, well, I don't want to, you know, <laughs> I have this grand idea that I'm going to write up a treatment for it and send it off. But in general, <laughs> uh, say in the pilot, you see what's happening on the Cylon Base Star after it takes off from the planet that Husker sees them in. And in the pilot, some of them escape. And it becomes them on their own path to, not necessarily Earth, because maybe they don't know about this whole 13th tribe, but it's their journey to another place as they're attempting to escape. So yeah, it wouldn't just be like every episode, you know, and now we're going to experiment on this character, and they have, you know, it wouldn't be all just on the silent base star. It'd be different. Okay. And actually... Speaking of writing, before this Battlestar season began, season four, one of my ideas for the podcast, this podcast, was that we'd have a little segment called The Writer's Room, where we'd have our ideas for what we think would be cool episodes, and listeners would write or call in with, like, I have an episode idea about this, just for time and whatever never really happened, but it doesn't mean we can't start it up. Maybe anyone has ideas about episodes, you know. I think so- we should... Uh- Create a section on the forums for that. Yeah. I'll put a forum section up. And if you have ideas for episodes, not of our show, even though that would be cool. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but for BSG that you would have possibly liked to have seen them do, post them on our forums. But one of my ideas that I had way back when was taking a sci-fi staple where they find a derelict spacecraft and they have to go in the spacecraft. It's been done. Every sci-fi franchise has done it. That Fire- was the episode of Star Trek that I just watched. Firefly. <laughs> well, see, there you go. <laughs> Firefly did it. 2010 Odyssey 2 did it. Star, Star Trek. Trek. But the only problem is it's been done because on the Measure of Salvation episode, they kind of did it when they found the base star that had been infected by that virus. Although they weren't on there very long. I think that was a disappointment for me with that episode is that they, they were on there for such a short amount of time and they took off and it blew up. And then in this season, when Starbuck found the Heavy Raider, I thought, oh, they might be doing it here. But that too was didn't really happen. So, I mean, they kind of done it already. So I don't think it will happen. But I do hold out hope that they'll have maybe one episode where they, on their travel to Earth, they find a massive, or they find some sort of structure or ship or station or something, and they have to go inside, and it's all spooky. And <laughs> and there's dead people hanging from the ceiling. there's dead people hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> you know, the third episode of Firefly, that's the one that I'm drawing the most inspiration from, for them to, like, capture that. Because uh-huh. that one did that really well. Firefly did a lot of things really well. Yeah, they did. They had a short run, but they did a lot really well. Okay, let's get to a voicemail. We have a couple of voicemails. We're going to split them up because some of them talk about the episode, but this one is kind of more generic. So this one is from Mike. Hey, guys. It's Mike from Delaware. A uh, short-time listener just discovered the podcast. Got to say, I love it. Can't live every week without it. One theory I just want to throw out there, I really haven't heard anybody mention, was uh, any correlation between the final five and the five priests that they discover in the I Jupiter episode. One theory I had was I wonder if there's any correlation between this five priests coming back to the colonies and running into the Cylons and those five priests became the final five when they helped the Cylons breach whatever gap they had in becoming the uh, the hybrid type that we see today, the skin jobs. Uh, giving them the ability, their technology, or or something, just giving them to be able to bridge that gap that they could yet to do in uh, some of the Razor mini uh, minute episodes that we saw. Just an idea. Love the podcast. Uh, hopefully, we'll hear them for a while. That's a little bit of a twist of an idea that we had mentioned at one time about the final five being the priests of the humans that they had in the Temple of the Eye of Jupiter. I kind of like that twist that they became the Cylons. I don't know. It's it's some weird, almost a paradox because there's this time element that's involved. If they they say that the final five has been to Earth, that implies that they have been around for a long stretch of time. So when did they do it? Was it forty years ago? Was it something? Have they somehow find a way that warps them through time? I don't know. But I do think, however, they answer that question is going to how they somehow answer the question about how Starbucks Viper was so pristine when she came back. If there is some loop of time. I can see them doing something where the Viper she brought back is the right Viper. It was the same one that was blown to bits, but because of some weird loop or shifting of time, at some point it will be reinserted back into the correct time sequence, but it is kind of like, for lack of a better example, like Back to the Future, the DeLorean, you know, zipping back into different time points. And at some point, it will reinsert itself back into the point where it will be destroyed ultimately. But right now, it is the Viper, and it is the one. It's just out of its time sequence. Got it. Let's go ahead and get to our discussion of the current episode. So here is the summary for the Battlestar episode, Sine qua non, from the Latin, 
without which not. Despite the efforts of Doc Cottle, Natalie dies on the table, bumping Athena's criminal charges from aggravated assault to first-degree murder. Adama's more hurt that she broke his trust and gives her the seething, in-your-face chewing out usually reserved for Starbuck. With Rosalind's disappearance, the quorum is aghast that events continue to unfold without them getting to vote on them first. Lee foresees a conflict with the military, one presumes that the quorum will threaten to cut their defense budget or something, and the only solution is to kick the abrasive Zarek to the curb and find an interim president that, well, I guess you could say would be Adama's bitch. Lee has a muscle cramp from all the hand-wringing, so he employs Romo Lampkin to help write names on a whiteboard. Besides his penmanship, Lee appreciates Romo's sixth sense for making the right observations, and so will overlook the fact that his room smells like dead rat. A raptor jumps in, shot up and unresponsive. Racetrack, the go-to raptor pilot these days, intercepts, then peeks inside to find Pike is dead. Who? Lieutenant Whiny Pants. Oh. With the information from the raptor's nav drive, the Galactica jumps to its last location, Sands Fleet. There they find the wreckage of base stars and colonial vipers alike. Ty presumes that Rosalind's base star was destroyed, but Adama commits resources to search until they find the clue of her whereabouts. Ty tells Adama that he's too close to Rosalind to make good judgment, but Adama has one better on him. Caprica 6 is pregnant. Ty is speechless, but becomes enraged when Adama mentions Ellen, and the two come to blows. The fight ends in a draw, and both men concede they don't know what they're going to do about the women in their lives. Romo packs up his troubles in his old kit bag, and goes to inform Lee that he has a secret. He sees dead cats. They don't know that they're dead. And secondly, he thinks Lee is the candidate they've been looking for. Totally saw that coming. The Lee president thing, I mean. And the cat thing, too. Red collar on the cat, the empty bowl, the M. Night Shyamalan cameo as the quorum delegate from Aquaria. Okay, I made that last one up. Adam admits that he has no objectivity when it comes to Rosalind, and relinquishes command. The government and the military both have new leaders as Lee is sworn in, and Adama ceremoniously removes his admiral pins and passes them to Ty. Bowing to the demands of the vociferous posters on the sci-fi message boards, Jake the Dog returns, a gift from Lee to Romo. Adama dons a flight suit, and Husker returns to flight status as the sole pilot of a recon raptor. The fleet jumps out, and Husker, like the character in the final chapter of Sea Rider Falcon, floats alone in his small vessel, not afraid to die, but afraid of the emptiness inside. Roll credits. I thought it was a great episode. Really. I mean, well, not great. Close to great. And dude. Dude. Lee is so dumb. I mean, mean, really. What do you mean, me, president? Moron. (laughs) Yeah, for all the qualities you expect to have in a president. Stupidity isn't one of them. (laughs) Being halfway observant and uh, being able to grasp the obviousness of uh, current situation is something you probably want. Yeah. And I don't think that he has Wait a minute. I'm really fed up with the quorum. And Lee also, when he's talking to Romo and they send a raptor out and Lee gets all like shocked and amazed, what are they doing? What do you mean, what are they doing? They're doing a mission just like you did. You didn't inform the quorum every time you did a mission. Right. I think he feels left out. I mean, in in a way, I was in previous seasons disappointed they didn't show us more of the inner workings of the the government mechanism, that how everything works. But now I'm glad because now I'm seeing that the quorum would just be just a huge bunch of insolent children. They're just like, oh, why did you tell us about this and that? Like, we have, like Jason was mentioning a couple podcasts ago, they're talking and acting as if they still have a government on the planet, and they don't. There's like, okay, you have a government, sort of, but you are still on the run, and it's essentially military law. That's just the situation. It's not anything they can do about it. Yeah, it's unfortunate this is the way we're seeing how the government is being run. 
I don't know why it was necessary to even start, other than the fact that Lee was going to join the quorum and become president. I don't understand why it was necessary to even start showing the quorum this season. It just makes the government look like they're incompetent. And then as far as we touched on it very briefly, but Lee being just so clueless about him being the ultimate person to be chosen. When he first went to Romo and he said, we need to have an interim president installed. I thought he was saying, it's going to be me. How can you make it happen? That's what I first thought it was what he was saying. See, I didn't think that. I just thought it was a little shocking that like a junior delegate is stepping up and doing this. Why wasn't Zarek or someone else? Well, Zarek wanted the position, but I guess Lee was the only one that felt that Zarek was not. I guess it just felt suspect the whole conceit that they need to have an interim president for some reason. Like the interim president is the vice president. Yeah. That's the interim president. They're taking him down because he's going to raise too many issues with Adama. Like, so what? Like, what are they going to do? Are they going to, like, revolt and, like, go off on their own or something? Or fight the Cylons with their weaponless ships? I mean, what are they going to do? They can't. It's like, you guys don't have time to raise all these problems and do everything because every couple of minutes we're going to have to jump for our lives. And I think what's going on now in the season is basically what went on in the first season where they, you know, they had to step it up again and start running again. And things are on shaky ground because now the Cylons are in civil war. And if they ally with one of them, you know, they're going to be stalked again. So I think Zarek has no grounds really to try and put the quorum in a position to make votes on what the whole fleet does. Halfway through the episode, I was thinking this, like you were saying, it reminded me a little bit too much about the conflicts we saw in earlier seasons where the government and the military were pulling in opposite directions about who had control and things like that. It seemed to me that they brought that to a reconciliation with Lee being sworn in, as if that will be the panacea that will make everything great. Oh, he's going to be our guy now, so we don't have to worry about the military as much anymore. We won't raise a big stink anymore. Hopefully that's the way it is. If it continues to be this thing where the government is demanding more power, that's going to be disappointing. But it almost made it sound like in this one swift stroke, they will solve that problem because Lee is the guy. (laughs) <laughs> He's the man. So we got a couple emails and voicemails, and they all, interestingly, have sort of the same theme. So this one comes from Tom. And this is regarding who he thinks the final five might be. He votes for Callie. If my memory is serving me correctly, the Cylon's goal is to actually become more human, and the only thing in the way has been the inability to procreate on their own. Hybrids are close, but no true cigar. Well, if Callie is the fifth, then they have achieved this with Nicholas. And then Shelly writes in, not you, Shelly, but a different Shelly. That'd be funny if you wrote into your own show. <laughs> I uh, should. <laughs> wow, who's this great email from? <laughs> from Shelly writes, my theory is that it's Hilo. I think it would be a bigger thing if he was the final Cylon because of Hera. There's been a whole fuss over her because of the fact that she is from a human father and a silent mother. But what if Hela was a silent? It would mean that silents could have children. I think that this would have a bigger shockwave, as it were, through both the human and silent communities. Hmm, very prophetic of you. But we have one more. And chiming in on this is a voicemail from Jen. Oh. Hey, guys, it's Jen again. I just listened to episode 43, Faith, the last podcast episode that I participated in via phone. And just before that, Dimitri and I finished watching 
guess what's coming to dinner? I wanted to pass on my new theory, and I know I just had a theory last week about who the fifth was, and I we were watching Guess What's Coming to Dinner tonight, and I turned to Dima and said, pause, I need to tell you something that I just came up with, and he said, only if it's new and different, and this is. My thought is, and I'll ask it in the form of a question, we've been talking about how there are two hybrid babies, and I think what's interesting is that it's been sort of this topic of conversation that hasn't been discussed that much. They haven't brought it up, you know, in conversation on the show, like, oh, isn't it interesting that we have two hybrid babies, one with Tyrell and Callie and one with Hilo and Athena? Isn't that interesting? And it's been this sort of non-entity until this last episode when Hera suddenly magically reappears. And I said to Dima, Dimitri, sorry, what if there aren't two hybrid babies? What if one of them, or not hybrid in the way that we are, we've been talking about them, as in human silent hybrid, what if, hold on to your seats, what if Hera, and I say Hera because I don't think it could be Nikki, he's just too far out of the story, but maybe it could be. What if Hera is not a human silent hybrid, but a five seven Cylon hybrid. And it's interesting because I was also just listening, as I said, to the podcast, and Tobias was saying that he thought that Kara was actually a hybrid. I think that it would be really interesting if there was a whole play on this idea of what a hybrid is, of course, for all of this to work. That would mean that the fifth was Hilo. My friend Jen and I were watching the episode last Friday, and we were talking about how it would be really important to note who was on what ship when the show ended, uh, because clearly the base star makes the jump to the hub. And when you look at who's on the base star, it's, of course, Roslyn and Baltar. And at first we thought that maybe Ty was on there, but he's not. He's there with uh, the Six and Sharon who's just shot the six. Um, but who is on the base star? Hilo is on the base star. I just wanted to put that out there and see what people thought about it. My thought was that if um, Hera is actually a Cylon-Cylon hybrid and not a Cylon-Human hybrid, this idea of the reunification of the 12 brings on a whole new meaning to the sixes. They're all about bringing the 12 together. And it and in the vision in the opera house and that sort of thing, this child is uniting them in some way. And what if it's really not about uniting humans in silence, but uniting the 12 Cylons around the child that has brought them together? And I'm just rambling at this point, and it's time to go to bed, but I'll leave you with that. Have a good night. Bye. I think she was on the right track. Obviously, a couple of these people were on the right track when they had this idea about Cylon, Cylon, Child. I just don't think now that it's Hilo, I think that kind of, well, I guess it doesn't disprove that it could be him. But now that you have another hybrid, I guess, is it really a hybrid, though? I don't know. It's a. Was anybody else totally wigged out by that statement? The what? The whole, oh, she's pregnant. You know who was really wigged out? Who? Hey, this is Amanda again. And I have to say, ew. Caprica pregnant off a tie. Ew. I'm sorry. It's just, I know it's so significant. It's like, oh my gosh, I finally got a sign I'm pregnant. But at the same time, I'm still in the, ew. All right. I'll hear you guys' thoughts on that. Talk to you guys later. Bye. 
I second that, Amanda. <laughs> I thought almost the same thing. I was kind of like, what? Ew. I, no. Is that ew more so than the boomer and cavil? I think that's more of an ew, ew. to me. I think they're somewhat equal, actually, in the ew, ew. No, no, it's not. Because Cavill's got that creepy old man thing. Yeah. Because he's watching her dance around naked. Okay, you're right. Maybe the Cavill boomer thing is a little ewer. But hey, go tie for still being able to get someone pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think these guys are all on the right track. The only th- clue against Hilo for me is when he was on Caprica and he was trying to escape. And they found that the Cylons have been physically stronger than humans. And he couldn't keep up with Athena when she was with him. And she was pretending to be Boomer. There was the scenes where they were trying to escape. And he was like, God, how do you... I'm dying here. How are you doing this? And she's just like, "Um, don't worry about it. I mean, that's the one kind of strike against him in that regard. I'd be okay with Hilo being the fifth. It would make him have a bigger role. True. And I have heard they want to use Hilo a lot more, so... Well, considering that the Demetrius storyline really was... I thought it would last longer than it did. It was sort of... Premature of the way it ended. And considering that Ron Moore went through such lengths to praise the set design of that ship and everything and the money they spent putting that thing together, that was quite a set. And I would think they'd use it again at some point. So, you know, if Hilo's not the fifth one, why the hell is he on the base star? Why did I still don't understand why Roslyn requested him? Yeah. I, that just doesn't make sense to me at all. Now, Hilo does fit into the equation for something that I kind of consider a criteria for the final five. And that is that the final five are all drawn romantically to other Cylons. Tyrrell was attracted and romantic with Boomer. Ty is now with Caprica Six. Tori and Anders were attracted and slept with each other, right? (laughs) Before they knew they were Cylons. They were drawn to each other. Now, let me just say that I think this does put a little bit of a case that Ellen is, in fact, my choice now. Of the other three that I had before that are dead, I think this one bumps her up a little bit because, obviously, Ty and Ellen were together. And he keeps seeing her. And I know that could just be his projection of the guilt that he has for his dead wife, but it could mean something like a final five, seeing another final five, and projecting it onto a seven, a final seven, or a first seven, whatever they are. So... I feel like some of the other ones that I had thought could be are kind of receding now in terms of the probability, but I kind of still like Ellen. The fact that they're bringing her back a lot might be a clue, maybe not, but... It's probably not going to be any of the ones that we've ever, ever thought. We're going to see and we're going to be like, oh, oh. <laughs> okay. I have a feeling I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be like, oh, damn it, you made Roslyn a Cylon. Damn it. Speaking of things that disappointed me, I thought Starbuck in this episode, when she questioned the Dama, like, why are you sending Raptor back for that futile quest? I was like, that seems so totally out of character. It's like, you just went on this whole thing where you had to go find (laughs) the vision you had and asked everyone to trust you. And then she's like, well, I don't think it's going to go over well. Like, what the the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) I just... Uh, they should have written that for a different character. Well, that me. was like with Rosalind. I just didn't get it. To me, that was like, are they sure they had the right person in that scene? And like, they had a call sheet and well, you know Katie Shackoff showed up instead of the right person? because It's I was like, because Hilo wasn't there. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, that's what I thought. I thought this would be perfect for Hilo to say that statement. But yeah. why couldn't they just got some other person on the flight? I don't know. I guess she's the most senior recognizable character. But I just totally seemed 
not the right response from her, considering all that's been going on. And it also made me wonder, like, you know, what what did happen with that? Like, she was going crazy because they're going, quote, the wrong direction. Well, their rendezvous with the fleet again. Did somehow her internal compass turn off or something? She's not going crazy anymore, pulling out her hair every time they jump. I'm not sure about that. And then the other thing was, what were the repercussions with Anders? He didn't uh, show up this episode, but, you know, someone asked when they got off their ship, who shot Gaeta? They never really solved that. Not that I want them to. Like, I can be happy with them putting that under the rug. Like, okay, some bad stuff happened on your mission. Someone got shot. Fine. We're not going to have a whole court-martial thing. I don't want to see that. Fine. But, you know, what came out of that? Anders is just, what is he doing now? After the mission, the only time we've seen Anders is talking with the other Final Four people. And, you know, they don't really talk about what, what happened. Some interesting things I noted in this episode. I don't know if it's been in every episode. And I haven't noticed it before, but all these characters had their wedding rings on. Lee, Adama, and Ty all had wedding rings on. Lee is, well, maybe he's not officially divorced, but he's no longer, like, you know, married, married. Maybe they all just forgot to take them off during Adama shooting. didn't, and Ty didn't. And it almost seemed like some of the shots were framed in a way that we saw them, like, purposefully done that way. I don't know. I just noticed that for some reason. Another thing that was kind of interesting was in the swearing-in scene, Adama didn't have his admiral pins on. He actually took them off in the subsequent scene, so it makes me wonder if they switched that in editing just for the flow of how that was supposed to happen, going directly from Romo pointing the gun at Lee to Lee swearing in. I think that's actually what happened. They switched it around. Speaking of Romo, what would you think of uh, Mr. Lampkin in this episode? I was happy they brought him back. He was kind of off his rocker, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I knew that cat was dead from like the beginning almost. It was quite apparent just because of the way he was acting and Lee kicking the bowl and asking, you know, do you even feed this thing? I was just like, okay, it's dead. Yeah. My clue for when the cat was dead was really early on when they showed the cat with the red collar on. I don't know why, but I just thought immediately Sixth Sense because in Sixth Sense, every time a character or an object had red, it was a big clue. And in this episode, there was lots of times when that happened they had the red collar they had romo had red bed sheets uh he wrote a red marker pen on the big whiteboard and at the very end lee comes in wearing a red shirt so every other instance of the the episode they had none of that color and i'd be surprised if it was not some direct reference to the sixth sense because that was a big part of that movie was purposefully not showing that color at all unless they were showing a clue about the whole you know being dead thing as far as the uh, Ty and Adama fight went... That was awesome. That was a, another good fight. I have to say, Adama, the one thing you could say about him is, you know, for people who think Adama is the final Cylon, is he's been in fights with a couple Cylons now, and he always holds his own. He fought Leoban in the miniseries, killed him. Which was an awesome scene, too. That was good. And then this one, no one really gets the upper hand on this one. I love how they always break that boat. It's so funny that that one spontaneous acting choice that he made now has become this kind of like running thing. Yeah. I really like this episode. There's a few things that brought it down for me, mainly Lee being so clueless. <laughs> that kind of brought it down for me. But other than that, like when we talked about the last episode and I said it felt cinematic, I kind of felt this way too. It still felt like they're really pushing the story forward. And if you were to take the last episode and this episode, click them together, you'd have about... 80-some minutes of, of material. And then if you were to pad it a little bit in the beginning, like add 20 minutes at the end and maybe you know insert a few action beats here and there, you've got to get yourself a movie. Because I think if they do one more 
big climax, and obviously we have a whole season to go, so wouldn't they're not going to finish the next you know episode. But if this was a movie, that's kind of what I'd like to have seen. So I really liked it. I again, the Lee thing brought it down a little bit, so I give it a B plus. I thought it was fine, fine episode. The thing I like the most about this episode is you kind of knew where everybody stood. You know, you're truly finding out that how Adama really feels about Rosalind. Right. You're finding out how Athena feels about her family, and you found out how Ty feels about Six. You yeah. know, I think a lot of things were revealed as far as relationships, and especially Adama and Rosalind's. And I really like that that he was finally willing to admit that yes, I really need her in my life, and yes, she is really important to me on this level, and I need to make this choice and go out and find her with or without you. Oh, and by the way, I loved seeing him in the flight suit. Me too. I was like, it's like the warrior who, like the old king who dons his armor again to go out to fight. Yeah. I was like, that right there, I was like, yes. That, that, that was, was one of the scene. great moments for me of the series, seeing him come out like that. I was like, And having him referred to as Husker. Yeah. I, yeah. And I loved it. I love that he's off on his own doing that little mission. You know, whatever may come of that. I just thought that was terrific. And then I liked, I liked the ending. The ending was awesome when everybody jumped away and it was just him. Yeah. That was great. And again, a perfect mirror to that chapter of the book he had been reading to Rosalind a couple weeks yeah. prior. Yep. Really cool. I think I've managed to give every episode this season an A. <laughs> so No, no, no. You There was the um, escape velocity that you gave a C. I did? Oh. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's like the one bad apple of this bunch. So far this season, I think it's because they've really done a good job of having... It's like a long, long arc. It's really as if this is one long story. And that's... And we keep saying it, but they are moving forward. They're not like holding anything back anymore. Characters aren't holding their feelings in for yeah. any other reason. The story's moving, and I love that. And the, it really feels like one long arc. I might just have to give the whole season now an A. <laughs> because apparently that... I mean, in this episode, I'm giving it an A. They're doing a great job, and I'm, I'm hoping they can keep it up for the remainder. Because as much as they're moving forward, there still are, are a lot of episodes left. So... Okay, so that will bring this episode to a conclusion. want to remind you that our email is gcorm at gmail.com. Our voicemail is 206-350-6756. The jump clock is running. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. The good news is my cold isn't as bad as yesterday. The bad news is uh, my throat feels more clogged than it did before. (laughs) Ah, nasal drip. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see how it goes. Okay. Good golly. It's going to be the phlegm episode. Yeah. (laughs)